Hello, my name is Michael Albert, and I am the host of the podcast that's titled Revolution Z. This is our 219th episode, and it is titled Chomsky, Zizek, and Us. This time, a short one befitting the topic. So here goes. A few weeks back, I was asked my reaction to a new piece by Zizek, and then to a piece about him as well. I was highly critical, without even reading, I have to admit, because I am highly critical of Zizek, and I find trying to read him to be rather like trying to walk across broken glass. So a few days ago, I was looking around for what I might address this episode, and I came across a kind of exchange between Chomsky and Zizek that occurred some time back. Precisely when is really irrelevant, I think, but it was 2013. Chomsky answered a familiar question during an interview, as he had often answered about similar matters before. Quote, The supposed wisdom of Zizek, Lacan, etc., answered Chomsky, is typically not wisdom, but instead, incomprehensibly dressed up, long-known, trivially obvious, or simply completely meaningless claims. Asked then about interest in Zizek's work, Chomsky says, It is posturing. And he, Chomsky, isn't interested in, quote, using fancy terms and pretending you have a theory when you have no theory whatsoever. Chomsky goes on to recommend trying to find non-obvious practical implications of Zizek once all the fancy words are decoded, and admits that he cannot, at least not beyond, quote, something you can explain in five minutes to a 12-year-old. Indeed, Chomsky says he doesn't see anything in Zizek that would help people discover important phenomena and their causes. He adds that he knew Lacan and felt he was a charlatan, posturing for the television cameras in ways that many Paris intellectuals do. And Chomsky concluded his response by adding, quote, Why this type material is influential, I haven't the slightest idea. I don't see anything there that should be influential. I should say, I am not neutral about these matters. I agree with Chomsky about the general issues. Obscurantist writing, hiding substantive vacuity, and I have written similarly numerous times. Still, there came a reply from Zizek, and it is online, and you should be able to find it on the Open Culture website with the title, quote, Slava Zizek responds to Noam Chomsky. I don't know a guy who was so often empirically wrong, end quote. And looking at it for today, I think it might be instructive. After all, you would think in a reply, Zizek would make a case that his work is no more polysyllabic than it needs to be. You would think he would try to show that it highlights important social relations that are not otherwise evident, perhaps by listing some. And you would think he would make his reply understandable, offering it carefully and in straightforward language. Well, you can judge for yourself. But to my eyes, instead, Zizek mainly suggested Chomsky gets things wrong more often than anyone else Zizek knows. I guess he did this to imply that Chomsky must be getting this wrong too. But Zizek offers only one example of what he apparently thinks is Chomsky getting things wrong more often than anyone else. And Zizek did so by repeating tired slurs that bear no relation to truth while offering no actual quotes from Chomsky, just regurgitating mainstream attacks on him. And so unsurprisingly, Zizek revealed nothing that Chomsky got wrong. But the point worth making, now, in any event, is that even supposing it was true, 
contrary to all evidence, that Chomsky gets lots of things wrong, one wonders how that would be remotely relevant to the observation that there is nothing much substantively worthy and accessible in Zizek's work. Next, however, Zizek says that Chomsky thinks current injustices are so blatant that we don't need to critique ideology. This is strange. Perhaps some friend of Zizek told him this was Chomsky's view. But seriously, Chomsky doesn't critique the myths, lies, and confusions that are hammered at people to rationalize injustice? Really? And even more to the point, Chomsky doesn't critique the institutions and broad range of factors that generate all of the myths, lies, and confusions? Again, really? But suppose against all evidence that this true was true. Why would it be relevant in any event? I suppose Zizek is trying to suggest that one needs to be as obscure as he is to critique ideology, even if it risks that some people, either too lazy or too dumb, will mistake his product for babble. Chomsky can forego such obscurity because he forgoes critiquing ideology, except, of course, that he doesn't. Considerable rambling, vacuous or incomprehensible, at least to me, follows in Zizek's reaction. Check it out for yourself. But then Zizek seems to say, presumably thinking that somehow this is a telling comment on Chomsky, that he, Zizek, doesn't think we are dealing with facts too much and that we need to do more. Hello? What? One might claim about Chomsky too many facts, but certainly not too few facts. I suspect that wasn't what Zizek meant to say. But how can one tell? And again, what is the point? Is the implication that to deal with facts effectively we have to be polysyllabic and avoid logic? The easy way for Zizek to have argued that his prose is accessible and has substance would have been for him to point to accessible prose in his major works and to summarize insightful substance. But there was no effort to do that. Then Zizek tried to rebut the idea that he, Zizek, has influence by saying he wished he did, and indeed he wished he had power, so he could brutally use it. What a strange turn of phrase coming from someone widely published on the left. I guess in this section, Zizek was indicating that he thinks Chomsky says Zizek's work lacks worth as a tool for helping to understand because Chomsky wants to squash a powerful approach that actually doesn't have as much influence as it should. My guess is that Zizek arrives at this strange impression because he knows it would be ridiculous to claim there is a lot that matters in his work and that Chomsky is just too dumb or too lazy to discern it. Chomsky being dumb or lazy would be a very hard case to make. And of course, Zizek doesn't want to admit there is very little substance in his work. So the self-serving conclusion he arrives at is that Chomsky must see that substance and dislike it so much that he then tries to eradicate it by dismissiveness. I suspect Zizek may also soon suggest something less malevolent. Rather, that is, that Chomsky is wedded to an anti-postmodern ideology which prevents him from seeing the insights that Zizek presents. Here is how Zizek concludes his reply, as I found it quoted, so you can see for yourself how brilliantly, cogently, and insightfully he expresses himself. The following is exactly how he was excerpted from his interview. Quote, 
So I claim that all these, how popular we are, is really a mask of, remember, the large majority of academia are these great either cognitivists or historians, blah, blah, and you don't see them, but they are the power. They are the power. On the other hand, why are they in power worried? Because, you know, don't exaggerate this leftist paranoia idea that we can all be recuperated and so on and so on. No, I still quite naively believe in the efficiency of theoretical thinking. It's not as simple as to recuperate everything in. But, you know, there are different strengths of how to contain us. I must say that I maybe am not innocent in this because people like to say about me, oh, go and listen to him. He is an amusing clown, blah, blah, blah. This is another way to say don't take it seriously. That is word for word, including the blah, blah, blahs. But by my own narrow experience of the matter, one time I was in Greece giving a talk to a big crowd, and before I was to speak, Zizek spoke. This was years back, so I was listening, and I turned to a friend who was with me, and I asked, who is this guy? What the hell is he trying to say? Well, it was Zizek, waving his arms all over the place, at times screaming, and I didn't understand a word of it, and it was in English. At any rate, I would say that Zizek is certainly right that some people react to him by saying he is either a clown, an entertainer, or a buffoon. But not Chomsky, and not me for that matter, mainly because I don't find anything about Zizek funny. And since it is hard to conceive that he is literally incapable of thought and clarity, of course he can think and be clear. One is left grasping for a compelling explanation of a passage like what the one I repeated above, not to mention passages when Zizek isn't trying to be clear, but instead is trying to be obscure. And even if we can come up with an explanation for Zizek being Zizek, there is still Chomsky's last comment to address, which implicitly asks, why does anyone on the left publish Zizek, read Zizek, or even believe that Zizek is some kind of powerful thinker whose words must be carefully attended? First then, why isn't Zizek's polysyllabic obscurity funny? For me, it is because this kind of writing about social relations, prospects, methods, etc. says to people that to be taken seriously, you must talk and write obscurely, because doing so reveals that you are a serious thinker, whereas writing and speaking plainly reveals that you are not. Zizek is a thinker, Chomsky is not. Lacan is a thinker, Bertrand Russell is not. And some people actually hear that and believe it, and so they start to emulate the style, or they try to at any rate. And then what happens? Imagine a young student who encounters faculty who consider obscurantism to be evidence of insight. Let's say this student encounters Zizek, for example. The student either becomes adept at in-group linguistic posturing and rises in their field as a thinker, or the student leaves the effort to think seriously about society behind due to not being willing to posture and preen or due to being psychologically incapable of doing so. These two possible results, one, become a posturer, or two, leave the effort to understand and think clearly about society behind, are each horrible. And this is no small matter. It means that among young people who are inclined towards seriously understanding society, perhaps on entering college, or just picking up some books to apply themselves to useful thinking and communicating, 
A considerable number develop crippling habits or give up the pursuit as either incomprehensible or phony, or perhaps worse, give up due to thinking that they are not smart enough to proceed. Speaking for myself, I shudder to think what would have been the result had I encountered Zizek as a sophomore in college instead of Chomsky decades back. Not only are such outcomes not funny, they are horribly disturbing, and there is a larger point as well. If we want a movement that operates under the auspices of its members, a movement in which all participants know what is going on and why, and a movement in which all members are in position to have opinions and views and to support their views equally with others, then we must have a movement in which ideas about what is wrong with society, about what we want for society, and about how to get what we want for society, are all expressed in language that is accessible to normal folks without special university chaining in advanced gobbledygook. Chomsky certainly doesn't water down his messages, but he does express them in ways that normal folks can understand, albeit sometimes a person reading him has to overcome prejudices and prior expectations to do so. Suppose that Chomsky is wrong, and so am I, and Zizek does have powerful, important insights about society, now and for the future, located all through his major works, and about strategy too, that could benefit activists. If so, Zizek's manner of communicating destroys the likelihood that those insights will each reach a wide audience who will then put them to use. I dare say, of all those who actually read Zizek, and this is not only about him, since there are many obscurantists around, very few, if any such readers, utilize what he has written in their actual assessments of society or its future prospects. I have met many Zizek readers, but none who noticeably use any Zizek insights, or who advocate any for that matter. My guess is that most people who buy Zizek don't read him and then not use something that they thereby learned. Rather, I suspect that even among those who buy his books, most don't read Zizek beyond a few pages. So why does Zizek and other writers like him write and apparently also speak as they do? And why do many people think that their doing so is a mark of intellect and insight rather than mere empty posturing? Imagine being able to spy on people going about their activism 25 years ago. I think the word narrative was rarely, if ever, used. By 2010 or so, you couldn't read anything on the left, and to an extent even in the mainstream, without the word appearing, not merely once, but often. How did that happen? It isn't the most disturbing case one could point out by a very, very long margin, but it is indicative. People become habituated to hearing and repeating things that others often intone, particularly when the intoners have lots of credentials and status. Why? Because it marks the repeaters as having listened and heard the intoners. Even if the repeaters often have very little idea what what the intoners are saying means or what value it has, precisely because, in fact, even the intoners have little idea what their pontificating means. By roughly that pattern, I think students pick up obscurantist habits because to not pick them up suggests not paying attention not understanding, not being knowledgeable. But then, having picked up the verbal and writing styles so as to not look dumb, or more positively, having picked them up so as to fit in and be respected, there comes a bigger problem. 
We are not what we eat. No one is a cucumber or a radish. We are instead what we do. And this is so even when what we do begins as a masquerade. We adopt mannerisms to get by or to win praise. Then we start to rationalize them rather than to admit that they are just habit and masquerade, especially if we get good at them. Finally, the mannerisms become part of us. This is only a hypothesis about the trends, but it is worth considering. It suggests that Zizek is Zizekian, so to speak, because it works for his status in academia, where plain old radical truth gets one almost nothing back. Others, including students, emulate Zizekian behavior because otherwise they seem ignorant or dumb. Doing Zizek, however, makes them posturers without serious purpose, which behavior they then defend and even celebrate. And here is something empirical and interesting. The number of people powerfully influenced in their thinking and acting by lessons and insights taken from Chomsky's writing and speaking so that the views they hold have roots in or were inspired by Chomsky's contributions dwarfs, I would bet, the number not only for Zizek, but I suspect for Zizek and all the other similarly polysyllabic writers and speakers combined. Yet I don't know anyone who talks or writes like Chomsky, other than in the sense of trying to clearly convey evidence, reveal logic, and otherwise be clear in their own ways. To me, this contrast is interesting. In Zizek's case, there is a very unusual style, Zizekian posturing, without serious substance. The style is the message. People replicate the style, but do not imbibe and refine the message, which few, if any, even understand, supposing there is even a message there, a there, there. In Chomsky's case, there is serious substance conveyed by a straightforward style that means to convey as clearly as possible. The message is the message. People comprehend it, and if it works for them, they use it. No one bothers much about the style. And now comes the biggest question of all. If you are reading the exchange between Zizek and Chomsky, and if you are a Zizek reader, celebrator, publisher, what do you take from all this? Do you just brush it off as useless noise and return to reading Zizek, I bet very spottily, or return to celebrating Zizek, I bet without offering actual reasons for doing so, or return to publishing Zizek, I bet, well, honestly, merely because he sells? Or do you look twice and judge anew? And even more so, I think, Zizek himself has dimmed a bit. Are there other, more recent, more current examples of obscurantism propelling careers but contributing little or nothing to actual, substantive, usable knowledge and practice? And then taking the line of reasoning further, how many of our behavioral choices do we undertake to gain favor and fit in with a tribe? as compared to how many do we undertake to implement understanding and morally rooted and carefully comprehended views and values. Okay, if you found this episode offensive and dumb, by all means, I would love to receive an email explaining to me why I am wrong and why Zizek is brilliant and important. But please, if you decide to do that, don't just assert it is the case. Tell me something Zizek teaches that matters to you and then quote him teaching it. Or as Chomsky might put it, show me something that shows, quote, why this type material should be influential. 
Show me why I am wrong to agree with Chomsky that Zizek's rambling is, quote, not wisdom, but instead incomprehensibly dressed up, long known, trivially obvious, or simply completely meaningless claims. Okay, hold on. Maybe I am being unfair. The guy's style, I am told, is to provoke by complication. So if I don't get it, that is just too bad for me. I am not trying, or I am not equipped, or as Zizek tells us, from atop his provocative perch, and I quote, Liberals always say about totalitarians that they like humanity, as such, but they have no empathy for concrete people. No? Okay, that fits me perfectly. Humanity? Yes, it's okay. Some great talks, some great arts. Concrete people? No, 99% are boring idiots. That's Zizek. So I went looking for explanations of his key ideas and found lots purporting to provide concise clarity that I found to be instead verbose obscurity. For example, one commentator writes, in the midst of trying to clarify Zizek's views, First, Zizek notes the surprisingly Hegelian conclusion to From Atlantis to the Sphinx, where the historical transition from intuitive to logical types of knowledge and the current phase of reuniting the two halves is resolved not via some bland and balanced New Age synthesis of intuition logic, but through recognition that it has already happened. As Zizek himself says, and now the clarifier quotes the master philosopher himself, who tells us, The unavoidable conclusion is that the moment of the fall, the forgetting of the ancient wisdom, coincides with its exact opposite, with the longed-for next step in evolution. Here we have the properly Hegelian matrix of development. The fall is already in itself its own self-sublation. The wound is already in itself its own healing. So that the perception that we are dealing with the fall is ultimately a misperception an effect of our skewed perspective. All we have to do is accomplish the move from in itself to for itself to change our perspective and recognize how the long-for reversal is already operative in what is going on. Okay, that is Zizek, concise and clear, I'm told. And this is Michael Albert, boring and idiot, he would say, signing off until next time for Revolution Z.